Welcome to the Access Effect podcast, where you'll hear the most compelling, provocative, and real conversations with industry leaders and innovators in tech, sports, and entertainment with our host and CEO of well-known PR firm, Access Entertainment, Sarah Miller. Everyone in the industry has different skills and talents, right? There's there's really great business uh, affairs executives. There's really great legal executives. There's really great production executives. Yeah. There's really creative individuals, right? And and each one of those those people are experts in their lane. I think what what I'm good at is sourcing the right people for those jobs, right? Nothing I've done. There, there's nothing in my credentials and my credits and and my history of work that I've ever done by myself, right? That I can take credit for. It's the people that I hire and present a vision, mission, a direction in which we're trying to go, right? What is our North Star? And then it's hiring the best people, the experts, the absolute incredible creative executive, the absolute incredible production executive, the absolute incredible business affairs executive, you know, finance executive, COO. And those individuals are the ones who really execute on that mission vision. My job is the conductor, right? I'm the conductor that works across each one of those disciplines to help shepherd them all in the same direction. I am an expert in none of those, but I know because I, I physically have grown up in the industry in each one of those disciplines yeah. where I know how those jobs are performed. I know what resources they need. I know where their challenges are. So as a CEO, I can be the best line of defense for them to execute their job because I can see their challenges. I can help them with their challenges. You know, I look at it and I've always looked at it as certainly as a CEO or running a company, I work for them, right? My job is to create the vision mission, put everybody in the same direction, look at them to execute and be there for them as a resource to help them execute against that mission and vision. Well, that's that's really what my job teamwork. is. I always say, like, I started out with the teamwork makes the dream work. Now I'm just like, own oh, your leadership. It's just like, as we evolve, like, you know, I mean, our talent evolves. As technology evolves, we're now on Zoom. But I just feel like with technology and entertainment, and like we've converged both of these big industries in the middle, like 15 years ago when we met and everything you and I have been doing has just been in that intersection of growing innovating entertainment and tech, but it does take a team to do it. And I feel like everybody's so different right now. Like I've seen such a distinct difference in leadership, good, bad, and indifferent since a pandemic. People want to work from home. They want to be a little bit more, hey, it's about doing, working smarter, not harder with the commute and the chaos, where it's calm, you're getting more stuff done on your own. And I do love that, but, you know, I'm also all about, innovation and change. And I, I do think a lot of people, and it's weird I've had some conversations and like, you know, some fr- friend of ours, you know, Marvie, my co-host has COVID. And I feel like we thought we were past that, but I feel like some people keep saying to me, people are not quite over that. It was such a huge dynamic shift in work, mental, emotional of how the new world is and how we have to be better for ourselves, for our teams without that human interaction and things aren't coming back because this is the new normal. And I feel like people are still struggling with how to lead. And I feel like we do have a lot of really good podcasts on here, but I'm talking to people about like I call it the afterlife. What we talked about, we're moving to the afterlife. I quit my corporate job 
I made a shift. I just gave it all up. We're in a sports team, moved to an entertainment in Europe, something I've never done before. I mean, we have all left the afterlife of what we've known to start new again. And I just think what we're doing may be more innovative, more motivating, more inspiring. It doesn't mean we don't stop leading and building and supporting. We're just doing it in such a different way that we never knew possible before. Well, we are. And take so one of the elements you brought up is the working from home, right? And this is a conversation and questions I get a lot. How did I make working from home or the hybrid situation work at Smosh? Because when I joined as CEO, it was a complete remote environment. And as a creative organization that has to create a tremendous amount of content on a reoccurring basis, it's very difficult to do that from where everybody is at home. When we started to get back into the studio, it became much more of a hybrid. And and there were people that were very concerned and cautious and enjoyed, right? And wanted the lifestyle of working from home. But the reality is when you are creating content, you cannot do that from home. You have to be in an environment where everyone is working together, whether that's on set, because obviously you have talent and you have producers and you have, you know, camera and you have sound. And those things have to happen within a contained environment, right? Then the second part of it is, well, what about development, right? Or pre-production? And the truth is, there is a lot you can do from home. And I know for me, prior to COVID, I was and grew up in the generation that said, butts and seats. You show up at eight, you leave that whenever, and the job gets done, but you're in the office, right? My view now is, no, you don't have to do that. And we don't have to, we don't have to spend a lot of money, time, and attention on work environments where people have to show up every day. There's some people that have to show up every day, right? The art department has to pretty much show up every day because they are creating and manufacturing things on site. But if you're in legal or finance or sales, you know, sales, you never wanted in the office, they should be on the road or any other discipline where there is that opportunity to work from home, then I would encourage working from home. However, if it's something where it's a creative meeting, I, I still believe and still enjoy and, st- and saw firsthand how the creative process flourishes much more when people are in a room. And it's because you get the nuances, you get the body language, you get the pauses. There's, there's things you can riff on and jump on and move creatively against that you really can't do on the phone or in a Zoom scenario, right? Or in group meetings. One of the things that I don't think works well is if you have some people in a conference room and some people on Zoom. Oh my God, I hate that. Yeah, what tends to happen is the people on Zoom don't get the same voice, right? And in an environment where you want everyone to have an equal voice, you've now created this barrier for the people that maybe it's hard to hear or maybe they don't hear someone because they're on the other side of the room or maybe you want to say something, but you've kind of missed the step of the conversation and you don't get to you know, to, 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 to do that. And so I was a big fan of, Hey, if we're going to have an all hands meeting or any type of group meeting, let's schedule them when everyone's in the office, right? If you're going to do something that takes sitting in front of a computer and no interaction with other people, do that from home. And there's a way to schedule your week and your days in which you can do that. That's, a hybrid. Um, That's the hybrid model. Yeah. Like, and I totally agree with you because. And a, and a structured one, you want to structure the hybrid model to fit the working environment. Yeah, but but there are areas where you, there's some things that are just not a phone call conversation. Like I was just back out in LA again, <laughs> two days ago, my mom was in LA and I feel like I never left. And 
you know, it was just, it was worth taking I'm an hour away in Scottsdale. It was worth going out there for the day because it was a conversation I knew was not going to have the impact, the power and the creative vibe to move it forward on a phone call. It was just, it had to be in person and being in PR. I'm so social. Some things I believe you just have to do in person. They're not Zooms. You just, it just, it is what it is. That's just like, we are hybrids. We do what's best, but it's also some things you just need to be done in person. And I have a question for you. If you had to choose between telling somebody who advice, go back to work, go get back in the office, be with the team environment, go back and lead. This is what you're good at. We've been building your whole life, you know, da, 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 da. Or don't do that. Go follow your passion. Do something you've never done. You've never, we've always wanted to do. Fill your soul, be happy. I mean, obviously you got to survive, pay bills, but is it, following what we know, which is a lot of people like, yeah, this is bullshit. These are assholes. I don't want to keep doing this. I want to follow a different path that I've always wanted to follow. And I now have the fluctuation of freedom to follow it. If you're in a position yourself, because I know we're your free agent now, or if somebody came to you and asked you for advice, would you tell them, keep doing what you've been doing is what you're good at and lead? Or no, maybe if you really wanted to go right, not left, now's the time to go right, given what we've all been through. Yeah. So actually, in, in as you know, the industry is in flux. There's been a lot of layoffs. There's been a lot of consolidation. I'll talk about that next. <laughs> yeah. They, but So with that, the economic bubble has burst. And with those layoffs, I do get a lot of people that reach out to me and ask advice. You know, what what what, what should they do? And the truth is, my very first question to them is, what is your runway? Right. The most important thing to answer that question is, what is your runway? How long can you survive without a paycheck? And so whatever that is, it could be one month, it could be two months, it could be six months, it could be 10 months. Whatever it is, extend it. Do whatever you can look in your life and eliminate any cost that you can eliminate. And, And many people have many costs they can't eliminate. Rent, car payments, obviously food, medical. There's a lot of expenses that people have. But there's also a lot of things that I think if most people look at what they spend, they could probably reduce something. So it doesn't matter how big or small it is. Reduce your costs and extend your runway as long as you can. You know, that, and, and why? Because that takes the fear. That takes the, the stress. That takes the, the concern of, oh, I need a job tomorrow, hopefully off of you. And again, not everyone can do that. Some people don't have a runway and they're in a hurry to get something next. And then that's their answer. Their answer is, that's what you have to focus on 24-7 right now. If you have a runway, then you can calculate, okay, I have three months, I have six months, I have 10 months, and now what do I do with that? And, and, and solidify that, cement that, and say, hey, I'm going to take 10 months, and I'm not going to stress for those 10 months, I'm not going to overthink those 10 months, I'm not going to panic in those 10 months, I'm going to take my 10 months, and I'm going to do the shift, right? I'm going to follow a different dream, a different passion, something I've wanted to do, a place I want to be. And I'm going to give myself, again, six months, three months, 10 months to accomplish that. And then live by that runway. If you accomplish it, great. Keep going. If for whatever reason you don't, well, then yes, you've hit your runway. Now you have to pivot again to something that's going to generate revenue, you know, pretty quickly. I I still think we're not all in that same luxury to do that. I think we, I think the building on what we've been doing, what our skill set is, but maybe pivoting it to a different industry or a different outlet is the right thing. So 
is, you know, so when I was in LA, so remember, remember my mobile Mondays? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm go walk down memory lane. That's, how it, all, that's yeah. how it all started. Yeah, my mobile Mondays, Infinity Networks, peer networking, like-minded individuals, knowledge exchange, C-level. People are like saying there's nothing in LA. And I want to get to my, because I want to talk about the strikes with you as well in Hollywood in a second. But it was all about, okay, there's nothing out there. I mean, we, there's events and big stuff, but there's really that high level networking back in the go-go days when we were all pre-COVID, happy, and things were good. So I've been asked to rebuild. Because you've, you've done it before your PR firm. Why, you know, I'm like, well, shit. If I'm not going to find any really high level places to find new clients, meet new people, innovate, be inspired, fuck, I'm just going to build my own. So I was thinking of rebuilding another mobile mobile Mondays. We decided, I'm going to drop Marjorie DeHaye's name in her. It was her idea, Access Power Players, where once a quarter, we bring in big guest speaker, 30, 40 high-level individuals for luncheon, a chance to meet, greet, and be back to where we were back then when we thrived off those kinds of things, you know, to meet new people. What are you doing? What are you working on? How can I help? And then, you know, quarterly dinner. Why I was there on Monday in LA to meet with Estelle Lacroix, who's executive director who created the Brightly at the Pendry, who also was the one behind the Neuhaus and all those big private clubs. And so we're going to partner with them to do it. We have a venue, amazing, beautiful place in LA. And I'm going to start pulling back to my roots, a different 2.0 version, obviously, but going back to that direction. So I feel like we can't go back and look at what we were doing that we let go, that we loved, that took us a different path and rebuild that again. And I feel like, but like you said, the dynamics has changed. I don't want to pick on Hollywood and LA because Everybody has, you know, they're fighting their own issues. But if we look at tech entertainment, where you and I have kind of thrived in our careers, it is in LA. There are strikes. There are people out there struggling. It's affecting us from not just the writers and SAG, but now the studios, the networks. We talked about this because the subscription levels are so high. There's nowhere else to build and go. Technology, Mm -hmm. everything that's centered around content of everything you and I know. Is it time? Like, where is that afterlife? Do we keep fighting against it that we have no control of because everybody's, you know, is it going to be affected by this? Or is this really the time to say, hey, pivot my passion, my ideas, go back to what I used to do, but do it better? Or I just feel like I'm getting to hit up with so many questions from so many people on this strike right now, being in PR and what's going to happen. And I understand the technology as you do very well on the subscription model, why we're upside down and this velocity, but it's, you know, where is that afterlife for so many people that are hitting the strike? And if I'm in a studio, if you're still up in the towers, in those, you know, the studio towers, you know, building HBO stuff and doing that stuff. And you're looking at this, can we have the insight to see it down the road to say, you know what, you don't ever leave a sinking ship as a captain, but you know, when enough's enough. And then when you go so long, you're out with the masses trying to find that next exec job because six months ago, when you saw it coming, you decided to stay versus go. I think executive leadership is in that lifeboat right now. And I'm starting to see it kind of up and down. And I'm just concerned it's just going to sink. And then we're going to be so upside down as an industry. What's going to be left? Well, I don't think, I don't, I don't think it's completely upside down. I think it, and yesterday was the, 30th anniversary that I started as uh, an as a paid employee in this industry. So for 30 years, I've worked in this industry, right? Getting paid professionally. And in that 30 years, 
we've seen these ebb and flows, right? We've seen yeah. the the new technology, right, or the new platform. I mean, this goes all the way back to when we had three three broadcast networks, right? And then cable upset the ecosystem and everything changed, right? The the dot com upset the ecosystem and everything changed. Streaming, right? With digital, we we've seen this over the last 30 years. And whenever that happens, there's a flood of new investment and new excitement and a lot of jobs created and a bit of a bubble around it. And then at some point it, it gets capped as far as its growth potential, or maybe it's too early, or you know, maybe it didn't connect with the, yeah. the consumer and become new behavior. And then there's a bust. And then there's that, that downward trend where there's a lot of layoffs and a lot of consolidation. And in that time, in every single one of those periods of time, there are always amazing opportunities that fall through the cracks, right? Especially when there's consolidation, right? Or when companies refocus or when they lay people off, they tend to focus in a area and the other areas that they were in tend to fall to the floor. And what happens is some entrepreneur, some innovator, someone sees those opportunities, picks them up and turns them into the next new thing. And that creates the next wave and that creates new jobs and that creates new opportunities. So I, I see this as the perfect time to be pivoting, the perfect time to be innovating, the perfect time to sit back again, if you can, and watch for the where those opportunities are, because we're about to hit the next, the next turning point of our industry, of the entertainment industry, in new ways that we're going to be able to reach consumers and entertain consumers and engage with uh, you know fan bases. So I, 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 for one, am actually excited about where we are, you know, and again, it's tough. I know it's tough. I obviously the strikes and, and there's, yeah. there's a lot of people struggling. Yes. Runway and persistence and looking for how you pivot is the key, right? To longevity and making sure that when you see that opportunity, when you see that, that thing that everyone else has forgotten, and being able to, you know, grab it and figure out how to make it work and grow it and, and evangelize it. That to me is is where people should be looking right now. Because the old jobs are gone, right? All yeah. the all the consolidation and all the layoffs, all those jobs that were consolidated down, they're not coming back. They're just not. But, and but, so, but, new, but the new jobs will like, like but new jobs will emerge out of it. If as you have they a always crystal have. ball, hold on, I'm going to be like a little genie in a bottle. I do have a crystal ball. Do you really? <laughs> that was it. Yes. Okay. So, but that's it. There's my little iPod home there thing. There you go. So look at my crystal. There's going to be some wonderful new opportunities that come out of it. What's the crystal ball? Let's get the crystal ball. We have a crystal ball. What down the road? You know, all these opportunities, the new tech, the new everything. What do you think? is where are we going with this? Like you just said, you know, there's this great opportunity. We're going to do this next big thing. We're all excited for it. I mean, yes, we're sad for people who are losing jobs. They're going to suffer, but excited for what's to come. We're now going to enter the next bubble. If you had a crystal ball, I gave you a million dollars. Where do you think, given all the mobile and tech and everything you've built, where is the future? Where is that crystal ball saying where, since everything's peaked and everything's where it's at right now? And, and again, where I, is I, that I, next three years in technology? And don't say AI. No, I'm not going to say AI. I, <laughs> I, I, it, there's too much of the AI bandwagon right now. And, and I get why and I get what all the companies are doing. But go back to a second. So the, the, the people we talk about suffering, 
again, to those people, I would say, you know, yes, and it's really tough right now, but look towards the new opportunities. Look towards, take your focus off the negative things that are happening today and focus on where it's all going because it is very positive. And I know two types of people out there right now in conversations. One is thinking the way I am, which is, yeah, the, the old business is hurting, but there's new opportunities coming. And then I know people who just say, no, it's dead and it's over and it's this and it's that. Well, a bunch of years ago, everybody said live is dead. Everybody said TV is dead, right? TV's not dead. OT, you know, fast channels and OTT and YouTube on your, yeah. on your TV. It's, it's evolved and linear live television is healthier than ever because of fast. It's where we're seeing one of the, the, some of the fastest growing viewership, distribution and advertising is actually in OTA over the air, right? With all the DigiNets and fast, which is digital OTT linear channels. It's television. So, so to me, you know, it's going to continue to evolve. It's an evolution. And so where do I think, where, what do I think is happening? And I just said part of it. I think we now are back to where a brand, a content owner, a content creator who has a library of content can distribute their content through fast, through OTT, through OTA, through digital means to a mass audience that we couldn't before. Right. When I think about El Rey Network and as president of El Rey Network, I ran it as a cable network. And what we looked at is we said, okay, the future cable is declining. Right. I think cable, total cable homes in the US is just above, I think, 60 million right now. That's terrifying if you're in the cable business on how much that business has shrunk over the last few years. But expect it. We all knew it back in 2015 when total cable distribution hit its peak and it started to decline for the first time. Right. And that decline has been steady and fast. But if you look at now the switch to fast channels, and that's what El Rey did, we pivoted from a traditional cable network to fast. We went from 30 million homes to 150 million homes. That is massive. That kind of distribution didn't exist 10 years ago. And so there's one great example of the opportunity of one business that is retracting, not dead, not dying, not going away. It's just retracting and a new business that has spawned out of it. So I'm a big believer in mass distribution of linear AVOD you know, content. And I think that's gonna continue to grow. Why? Because consumers don't wanna pay, not all consumers, some consumers still do, wanna pay $150, $200 a month for you know, their cable package. And that's, again, that's gonna continue to exist. I think that's great. Yeah. The, the cable companies have to, in the cable network simply have to adjust their programming, their spending, their strategy to be successful or be profitable within a retracting business versus a growing business. And so that's one area. Another area that I'm really big on is experiential and the combination of live. So when I was at Smosh, one of the things I brought to the company was their first live streaming ticketed event our ability to put on a live show and sell tickets for $20 for general mission, 25 for VIP and you know 35 for VIP and merch. And by doing that, we had to create a different experience to the consumer. The consumer, the viewer, the fan already got Smosh on YouTube, Facebook and all the social platforms in a VOD environment. And that's great. 
But a live show adds something different. It's that unexpected. It's that something could go wrong. It's different formats. It's different things that you can do in a ticketed live event that you can't do, say, on YouTube. And so not only does that open a new business model, right? It's certainly a new opportunity to reach fan bases on a global scale, but it's also a new revenue opportunity that, co- that hasn't existed for companies before. And so, and, and we did that, by the way, with a company called Kiswe, K-I-S-W-E. Fantastic technology, fantastic pl- platform, uh, white label, white glove service, truly one of the best live streaming ticketed platforms I've ever worked with. And, and that's not a commercial for them. They, mm-hmm. they were a great partner and I introduced them and I recommend them to everyone because they have great technology. And so, you know, when you and I met, the idea of technology and content were two different things. And, and many times they didn't talk to each other. Yeah. Today, technology and content are one across the board. Everything we're talking about, AVOD, SVOD, live, streaming, ticketed, experiential, everything is about technology mixing in the right way with content to create a unique experience for the fan with that platform. And it's in, and, and again, that's where the opportunities lie. I just, I do love that like technology is always evolving. There's always innovation. And I do agree that there are so many job opportunities out there and other and growing fields. I don't want to get like, I never dive into the tech heavy on these podcasts just because somebody's always like, like, wait, let's keep talking. And the last thing I know, we're in a big tech heavy conversation and everything. And I don't, you know, and I want to make it sure that, you know, people know that there's other, and I agree with you a thousand percent without getting too techy into this. Cause I have questions for you, but I know if I start, we're going to end up with a whole hour of, well, Stuff, yeah, I, I won't. I won't get into the the tech specific, but I do recommend to everyone listening to this: if you're interested in entertainment, or if you're in entertainment, you better understand the tech. You right? have because, to understand the tech, but I also feel like people who aren't in tech that are afraid of tech needs to embrace where we are right now and look into it because there are so many job opportunities. Yeah out yeah. there right now. And we all, I mean, like, like we, most of our clients are tech entertainment and I still can drill down as deeply as like you and some of our friends do when I've been in tech this long, but I feel like. Yeah. But remember, most people don't know how TV works, right? Most yeah. people don't know how the internet, like. I assume. Oh, you're good. But, point. but yeah, but, but you do, but you do need to know as a programmer, as a creative, you do need to know what works on the TV. You need to know what works on mobile in an application environment. Yeah. You need to know what works in live streaming, right? Because the creatively, the nuances of the experience or the functions and the features and the capabilities are different. And, and what's funny about what I just said is that's exactly what we said almost 20 years ago when we first started creating content on mobile. Yeah. And the truth is it hasn't changed. The truth is we still have to create content and experiences that are relevant to the platform and the technology and you don't need to know how it works you just need to know what works on the platform i feel like we just go like i kind of feel like we have gone full circle where we were 15 20 years ago to just a newer better way to reach people and i do i've always embraced technology but like you know something that you said a little while ago daniel about just you know people not being afraid you know really embracing all of this I'm always feel like some people, like you said, are like super excited for this next new change, right? Some people are just kind of like, no, no, we're dead in the water. We're going right. to where we don't have, there's no tech, there's student, we're on strike, whether we're on, whether, whether we're on strike or not, pushed out or not, 
they're always going, we're always going to evolve. It's always going to keep going. Just you got to embrace the change. And yes, I do agree. I, we're not saying, you know, heart goes out to all these writers and actors and people in studios that are being laid off. I do get that. But I always feel like, you know, we're talking about leadership every, like every week on the show. I always feel like there's always successes and failures. I want to pivot a little bit because people are thinking, oh my God, this is a bad situation. What's, what's going on? The bubble's bursting. We're on strike. There's no end to this. But I feel like there's always success and failures. Not, hey, there's a failure. But like to your point, look at the successes that are coming out of the failures. We're going to have new opportunities. We may pivot to go right, not left. Another job. You might be happier elsewhere. And I feel like when we get too hung up on stuff that goes wrong in a company or like the strike or the economy, people tend to focus on the negative. This is bad situation versus finding the success in failures to keep moving forward, to still have hope, to get excited for what to come. Cause all it is, is change. We're just, it's just a correction. It's change. And by the way, that's a, one of the elements of the strike is about technology. It's about how the technology is being used and monetized and how creative people, writers, directors, actors are being paid from them. And, and the answer is yes, that system needs a complete overhaul. The system that was created of, you know, making a product, right, and then paying residuals based on the revenue created from that product every time it sells, right? But if you, but now the model is I create once for a platform like Netflix, essentially as a production entity, it's a buyout, right? And I have no additional revenue streams that come from that. That's a that's a massive change and upset to the economics of the industry as a whole. And so everyone is affected by that, not just actors and directors and writers, but the craftspeople and the producers and the wardrobe and hair. Everyone is affected by this strike. But the strike is trying to say, hey, this system no longer works, right? Yeah. It doesn't work for everybody who is adding the value and creating the product that exists on these platforms. And and so that's 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 a hard thing and and I and I get it from both perspectives because I get it from that perspective as a creator. I also get it from the studio perspective of oh, we have to completely change the entire corporate structure, financial model uh, of of our business uh, uh, while it's going 60 miles down the road and we have shareholders and you know it's a multi-billion dollar business and we're just going to change the entire structure. Yeah. Yes. And everyone's got to get together and sit down and from the ground up, try to figure out what that new model is. And by the way, I think that's an opportunity. It's an opportunity to say, okay, some of these platforms, some of these SVODs, some of these, the, the studios, it's going to be tough for them to change their economic structure, right? So is there a new player that comes in with a new model who can come up with something that works for the industry at the large that shows a different economic structure where everybody actually can get paid. Maybe, maybe that's an opportunity, right? At a point a few years ago, that was the promise of blockchain, right? Blockchain isn't about, in my mind, you know, I know the conversation of NFTs and, and digital currency and all that is, you know, that that's behind us. But the idea of blockchain was the ability to create a system where you had a product and when that product made money, everyone got paid right? The contractual amount they're supposed to get paid. And it's an automated system that is true and real and, and something that, that you can count on, right? Or supposed to count on. 
versus traditional studio financing. So there are visionaries out there who are thinking of these things. We're just so early, you know, in the development of them and the technology of them, and they haven't been implemented throughout the industry at this time. Yeah, but but eventually like, it will. But that's like everything. I mean, you know, we talk about NFTs. I don't want to get to the NFT because I absolutely- Yeah, no, no, no. But blockchain, that, I only say that because no, no. when I say blockchain, people think NFTs. No, that's not no, what no, it's no, about. No, 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 I know what you're so saying, it, but my It's point an accounting on, system. But my point on the NFTs is, you know, was this a point to the digital currency, crypto, which is an absolute joke, you know, Bitcoin. I feel like it is it is still a hot subject. Bitcoin is still stable. People are using Bitcoin in economies to thrive and survive when uncentralized banking's collapsing over there. It's just like when we went through VR, AR, VR, we went through blockchain, crypto, we went through the AI. We've been through so many phases to where it may be too early. You, there's so many variables, but then the industry shakes itself out and there is a few key yeah. leaderships that realize we're going to take this and move it here for good. And we're going to take off and be succeed and lead the rest of it and all the like fanfare and flip and hyper like circles of just talk. I'm an expert in every little thing under the sun is just let's ride on the next big thing. So I could say I did this and that. And I mean, that's a whole other situation. I know people yeah. who have been an expert in 12 different industries in the past four years, you're an expert at nothing but bullshitting on social media to get attention, feed your ego. And to me, there's no credibility, sustainability. Those are the people I don't view as actual leaders that I would never work with because one day they're into this and the next are experts in everything. I'm looking at for leadership of people who have built something from the ground up, who understand the tech, who understand where it's going, has a foresight to get ahead and to keep building and to keep accepting the changes and stuff. Such a distinct role of leadership today, as opposed to five years, 10 years ago, because I've seen that mental change. I've seen those shifts. Yeah, it's changed well. a lot. Yeah. And, 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 and I'm well, all about and, and it has to change because you have, you, you, you know, as a leader, you have to work with a large, diverse group of individuals, right? And each, again, each one with a, a capability, each one with a perspective, each one with a voice. And I think, I think one of the changes in leadership is this idea of top-down, right, management or creative. And, and I don't believe in that, right? I believe in setting the mission and the vision and holding people accountable. But the true creativity, the true, you know, innovation comes from the people that you work with the resources, the, uh, no matter if they're new to the industry or have been in the industry for 30 years, there's value that comes out of that and to listen to them and then to support them to create that innovation. That's where it comes from. And to me, that's a shift, right? We used to have a very, very, very top down. You do as I say. And I believe true leaders today listen to their people yeah. and act and implement with that. But it's also about owning your own leadership, which we always say, you know, with everything we do at Access, uh, you know, it, it's about, like you said, yes, make them accountable. Does that top down model doesn't work because they look at how you act, what you do. It's all about owning your own leadership. If you're making the teams accountable, you've got to be accountable for yourself. But I always believe a really good leader makes a good team player. Because sometimes we oh, just yeah. want more sleeves and we're out there digging through with the rest of them. There's no ego involved. There's no look at me having fun posting shows as CEO. No, it's all about like be accountable, own your leadership, lead, inspire, motivate, but do it next to that person, not behind your desk, dictating it to them. And that to me is a leadership style that I love to see and that I've seen 
more of now than ever. It's it's, uh, it's funny you say I had I um, met up with um, somebody who was an employee of mine ten plus years ago, and she actually said you know she reminded me she goes you know the thing that I remember most about working with you and that she said that she has now implemented in her kind of focus as a leader is how there was no job I wasn't willing to do. And it's very specifically, we were on set and we were out in, you know, an hour and a half northeast of Atlanta doing this project in this giant field. And the field had all this grass on it and it needed to be raked. And everybody else was busy. Everybody else was doing things. So I went out and I actually raked the field. And, and her and some of the other executives were looking at me like, why is Daniel raking the field? <laughs> and and the answer is because somebody needed to rake the field. Right? And so I I raked it. And and what's great about that is I didn't expect anybody to help me rake the field. I wasn't looking for anybody to comment about me raking the field. The field needed to be raked. What was wonderful is 10 plus years later, this executive said that in their career path, seeing me go out there and rake that field, they've now mirrored that same thing. When they're on a set, when they're doing something, they're the ones, if, if somebody needs something, if somebody needs coffee, if somebody needs something moved, if somebody needs something done, they now, as an executive, go out and do that, right? Because, because they saw that, that I was willing to do it. That's a great compliment. That's a wonderful thing to hear. That, that's leadership. That's the yeah, thing. That, that somebody else now has picked up that trait. And it's leadership because you know how to be a team player when you need to. Remember that time? Oh, my God. I want to bring this up. Remember on a Friday night? So stupid. Was it August? We decided. No, you decided to be smart, to leave from L.A. to Palm Springs and rush our traffic at like 5 p.m. And I decided that's a dumb just telling idea someone that ever. But OK, let's go. Come get me. And then we were stuck for four hours in traffic. But it was all about being out there at the Fish concert when John More like six hours. Be, six hours was sitting there. OK, I was trying to be nice. We had to stop. <laughs> it was all about, hey, we had somebody who was both our clients at the time, partners of yours, yeah. clients of ours. Who just need and it wasn't about hey go rick the field hold a plug do lights it was more think about see what i'm doing moral support and i was like no i'll yeah, never be there for me it's all about like standing up and being present and it's all it's, yeah you have to stand up it's, have, it's a choice it's a choice we could have we could have so, chosen did not sit in traffic for six hours but it, we showed up we it's not about showing off we showed up we got to show up was our client because of some of the great times we had backstage and during these concerts we showed up we didn't show off and the fact that we sat in traffic it was like five not six it was your idea but we showed (laughs) but we showed up as executives leading our own respective companies for the client because of what you do we didn't we didn't send someone else we didn't expect someone else to do that that was that was a friday night where somebody was going to have to be away from their family or or not, you know, change their plans or something that was going to have to happen. And no, the answer it. is, yeah, this, this is what we have to do, you know, in this relationship and what we were building. And you have to be there. You have to be in the room. You have to show up. You have to be a good partner. Yeah. Well, that's kind of like, I mean, I think there's so many times, like it was a Michael Jackson Memorial. It was, oh, um, Central Park's Global citizens. I always, oh, yeah. I remember sitting there. Well, you bring, you get me involved in a lot of interesting things. <laughs> I used to that one always, was you. That one was not me. I, I, no, I no, did no, the Michael no. Jackson one. But you, you were, were there, the no, no, no. You were there for all of them, the Bon Jovi one. But I always had rolls of duct 
tape on my arms and I'm standing there with the PR and I'm dragging you into this because we all had to do, we had to do like, and I'm like, like people like, where's all the duct tape? But I had them on like braces because I had to tape something because somebody needed an electrical thing tape. Okay, it's duct tape. I could do it. So I started collecting all the duct tape. I had no idea what I was doing, but I was there. I showed up and I was there to help. And you have showed up with me. MEAs 10 years. We literally, okay, this is my most heartbreaking, amazing leadership story. Mark Deachin, I think we're in hmm. MEAs yeah. year nine or 10, okay, we're, we're 16, nine, 10, eight, nine at the Sofitel again, second or third time. And I think it was our ninth year or eighth year. And it's when Mark got really sick, really super sick. And he should even be, I mean, he was on the way to Miami to the, I forgot the term of organ transplant list. And Mark could barely stand. And Mark showed up at the MEAs and he presented an award. And I'm like, you don't need to be here. But he was so sick, but he was so committed to the industry, to being on my board, to our friendship as a leader. He showed up to present an award. He left two seconds after, but the, I mean, this was beyond what leadership is being as sick as he was. And it does break my heart because he's passed away this past year, but talk about leading, being a leader, showing up, you know, putting your, I had this favorite quote, when you put your own problems and issues aside to be there to support somebody else, that is true leadership. That is true love. When you are there to focus on you and put your, you know, my own, no matter how big my problems are, they're not important because you're struggling or you need help. And there's such tremendous people who will always, always, always have a piece of my heart because they have just stood up, showed up and had the most tremendous leadership, no matter how tough things are going on their own. And that to me is leadership. I love to see day in and day out, roll up your sleeves, help out, just show up no matter how hard things are. And we did not ask him to show up that night. He didn't want to let anybody down and we were against it. But the fact that he struggled just to be there for 30 minutes was the mm-hmm. only, to me, most heartbreaking thing I've ever seen of a selfless act of kindness. And I think that those moments is what makes you a true leader, you know, on so many levels. But like, and I do have a quick question for you because I know we're running out of time. One, I have an advisory board request of you. So we're going to discuss that offline because I want to be shut down on a podcast. <laughs> but what is the next step for Daniel Tibbetts? You're taking a year off. What is the next step for you? Yeah. And, and I don't I don't actually know how much time I'm going to take off. Uh, again, uh, 30 years, I've done a lot. I've done everything I've wanted to really do in my career. It's been fantastic. Yeah. And I'm looking at the industry again. I'm very, I, I, I see very clearly what's happening right now. And my objective is to sit back, have a lot of really great conversations, learn from other people what their perspective is, see where it's going. And again, look for those opportunities. The opportunities are coming. They're going to be coming very quickly. And so to find those things that fall through the cracks or get creative or where the innovation starts to happen, that's where I want to be. And so for me right now, again, taking my own advice, it's look at your runway, commit to that runway, and then look at and and be active in as many conversations as possible to see where those opportunities are going to occur, right? And in the meantime, I'll I'll tell you exactly what I'm doing today. What I'm doing today, one, is still working with Elray Network, and, and we're making a programming shift. As far as now working with a, Are you, you're consulting. Team. You're consulting with them now, right? 
I'm still, well, I'm, I'm technically still an advisor and a, a part of the structure with El Rey, working with that group. And I've been doing that, you know, first as president and general manager in 2016, but have, you know, still general manager slash advisor to make sure that that, that cable network, because it has a very important mission of, you know, being a platform for Latino voices in front of the camera and behind the camera. And so the fact that we took it from 30 million homes to 150 million homes, the objective is, and we're still not on some platforms, the objective is to continue to grow its audience base, to grow its programming, and to be on more platforms so that it reaches more people. And with that, I'm just, I'm, I'm sitting down and meeting as many people as I can, and I'm finding opportunities to just help other people connect. If I sit down with one person who says, hey, this is what I'm doing right now, and then I sit down with another person who says, oh, I need X, Y, and Z, I can sit back, right? Because I'm not with a company. I'm not singularly yeah. focused on Smosh or Mythical Entertainment right now. I can look broad across the industry. I can talk to anyone and I can say, oh, you are looking for this. So I'm going to connect these two things. And I hope that's a beneficial connection and then let it go, right? I'm not, I'm not trying to build anything out of it or do anything. I want to see great minds, great people, great innovators, people who have thoughts and ideas about where the industry is, are, is going or things that they want to do in it. And this is the time to help them move forward on their career path. And, and, you can, and it's hard. And, and look, I've always done that, but it's harder to do that when you're singularly focused in, a, in one company. When you're not, you have the, uh, 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 more time and a broader sense of what you can look at and hopefully connect the dots for others. And I, I have to say, I'm, I'm enjoying that uh, because I, I haven't been able to do that enough on a, uh, with the amount of time I have today. So I, mean, I saw you going to thinking life after the afterlife of all this, going back in the corporate side like you have, or are you finding the balance and you're kind of following your vibe of consult, advise, make a difference without the stress, have your own Daniel time to be happy to do what you need to do for the first time without that nine to, you know, 10 PM, you know, grind every day. Is, is this kind of where you're thinking of going like that balance for you? Absolutely. Yeah. And, and, and by the way, it's a never say never. Right. And I look at the, at me, my life, where I am, the career I've had. And yeah, I, I definitely look at it and go, I don't need to go back to the corporate job, right? Unless it's the right corporate job, unless it's, again, it's something that is going to be innovative or that I have a vision mission for that I'm going to add value to. And as you go on in your career, those things that you would say yes to become less and less and less and less, right? Because you become very specific about who you want to work with, what type of things you want to do, what your goals and objectives are out of them, what quality of life you want to have. That's very different than when you're young and you're trying to climb up the corporate ladder and you're trying to pay the, the rent like that. It's just a different position. It's learning so how to today, say no. That's the yeah, thing. It's, it's the power to say life. no. And so yeah. I can be very selective and I can be very critical and I can look at the things that are going to satisfy me, but also I'm going to create great value for that entity. So if that, if that thing comes along and says, hey, we want to hire you and we want your attention exclusively, okay. Let's have that conversation. It may or may not be a fit. In the meantime, I definitely, because I have such a diverse background in all the different content and all the different projects and all the different things I've done, then I am much more, I think, open 
to not being tied to one thing, but to say, oh yeah, these three things interest me. I'd like to do those three things for now. No, I love it. I do. I do love it. It's been such a pleasure watching. It's been amazing watching your career. I feel like I've stayed the same. Still feel the same company. You've you know gone through and built and grown. I I just built companies, boot them out, and just you know keep the agency going. You have, um, I was gonna say, but you have longevity with them. Ten seasons of the podcast, sixteen years <laughs> of MEAs, right? Yeah, but you know I me, mean? like I don't we don't churn and burn clients a lot. We do we we have we I mean short of a few. Life's not perfect. Things get messy. Things change. But like I think we have taken the most startups to an IPO M&A stage than any other a PR firm in the industry. I've seen so many startups just take off. I mean, it's it's bittersweet. Um, when I have clients I'm so obsessed and in love with, we do such a tremendous job that most agencies can't. But when you get to that M&A, you hit their goal, their happiness. We end up losing them as a client. But at least we know we got them there. We were part of that success. But oh yeah, I'm still here, still at access. I'm but that's and, but that's that. that's a wonderful, but that's a, a wonderful thing to do. It's like in so many of the companies I've been a part of, Smosh being an example, when you see it turn where it needed to turn, and the founders come up back and buy it, and then you get to hand it off to them to run it which they haven't done since 2011, 2010, right? Or 2011, 2010. To see them now take control of something they birthed that that they have that passion for and now see them run it, yeah, I'm, I'm happy to go away because that's the mission. The mission was to put it in a position where they could take it back and it be successful. Yeah, that's, no, that's, that's the greatest reward of all. I, I love that some of my clients have been repeated clients. Just were, let's go. I'm like, what? Like, yeah, let's do it again. You got another time. And it's so exciting to see them lead and grow and make a difference. It's just, you know, and, and some of these guys are still my closest friends. And when I look at these big companies and I know the mergers, I know the acquisitions and I know where it's gone. It's so fun. Like, yeah, they were my client back when, but because of the team, and where everybody was moving, this is where it ended up. And I, I love watching some of my closest friends and clients grow into multiple, triple successes over time. And I do support them. And I believe because I've seen them do it. So it's always fun to watch them go back out and do it again. But I, you know, I just, I, there are people I do miss. You know, there's people that we know that we don't see as much. But, you know, I think everybody is finding their own success and path. I always tell them, you know, your um, vibe is your tribe. Surround yourself with people that you trust that are going to encourage and inspire, motivate you to be who you want to be unconditionally. Reach out, ask for help when you need it. We're all in the same boat. We've all helped each other, ups and downs at one point. You know, it's just, it's a different dynamic now. But at the very end of the day, I feel those basics of being there, being authentic, helping who you can help, being happy for those you know, who are successful is the key to everything we do in a company inside and out. And I just hate when I see that kind of falter by the side. But otherwise, you know what? Like, like we're still here. I always think we are still here. You're 16, you're 10. You've had 30 years in the industry. We are still here making a difference. And every day is a new day to make a difference with a person or a company, which is, I think, why we're always having these conversations. We're always checking in with each other and making sure everybody's Move it in the right direction, you know? So if I need to uh, drive to Coachella tomorrow for six hours, you're with me? Okay. I would 
do that only for you because I'm friends with you unconditionally. But you know, it's just, it's just, it's, it's. I love having like, like people like you back on a podcast when you've been on the corporate side, grinding through to you've hit that success, you've done something amazing. Where's that next chapter? You know, yeah. people. Well, it, it's it, first off, it's great to be back on the podcast and. If you go back and listen to the various podcasts with you and I, they're at those stages, right? They're, you know, there's the ones pre-COVID, the ones during COVID, now and, you know, how that transition and now, you know, pre-smosh and then now post-smosh. And, you know, they're, they're, and, and again, it's, I think it's a lesson. If anyone's entering the business or concerned about, you know, what's next, right? There is a what's next. You may not know what it is, but it's going to happen. Yeah. And, and and just know that, right? And look for it, right? It's it's, it's be in the room, be present, show up, buy, look for the opportunity. When you see the opportunity, take it. I love it because there's no there there. There is a there there. You just don't know exactly. You just don't know what, what it is. It. Yeah, it's so funny. I always say that. But okay, so yes, before we say goodbye, you can't come on and be my co-host. Excellent, thank you. Because it would be fun. That means you got to get the gang back together again. Oh, and by the way, you know, just, and I know we're going to wrap here in a second. We're over time. I got the best, well, one of the best, a great comment on an email from somebody just on the podcast, but they called out the Smosh comedy series we did. That they oh, that's Apple wonderful. And said it was one of the best series they have heard in a long time. And they absolutely love the Smosh because I had the Smosh team on to do a series, a team panel and then individuals and i got two really amazing comments one yes and one two months and i meant to send them to you but i wanted you to know officially you did a tremendous job at smosh because i get the comments about people leaders people like you when they hear you on our podcast oh, that's very kind that's great to hear and and the talent shane courtney damien yeah. you know keith lee jr that that whole team noah grossman Chance, Olivia, that just give her an Oscar truly, speech. He's like you're giving an Oscar. And I, want I to- am giving an Oscar speech. I want to thank <laughs> each one of them. I want to thank each one of them because the talent, the talent in front of the camera and behind the camera really was some of the best talents I've ever worked with. Truly creative, dedicated, real visionaries. Everyone in that company, I, I have to say, you know, and we all know the entertainment industry is filled with egos. That was a company that had no egos. That was a company that Everybody went there, enjoyed and loved making content for that brand, for their fan base. And it was a true pleasure. It was egoless. I loved it. Oh it my egoless. God. It was so good. I always love chatting with you. It was so good having you on. I have a quite big ask. I'm going to ask you off air so I don't get rejected on air because that would be heartbreaking. But <laughs> until then, this is Sarah Miller with Daniel Tibbetts on the Axis Effect. And we'll see everybody next week. Thanks, Daniel. And, be, and, and, and stay tuned for part two, where we find out, was Sarah's request rejected or, or not? Coming up soon. <laughs> Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Axis Effect podcast. If you don't want to miss an episode or download past episodes, be sure to subscribe to the Axis Effect podcast on your favorite podcast provider. To learn more about the podcast or our guests, please visit theaxiseffect.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.